It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and Davinson Sanchez apologist, it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Davinson Sanchez celebrationist. Um, Davinson Sanchez. Uh, I, I'm baffled. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. Uh, um, at the end of this podcast, you're going to hear... Some clips from one of our ex-subs, Rich. Uh, so Rich is the CEO of the Black Prince Trust in Lambeth, who are doing some fundraising. The reason, reason they're fundraising is they have this iconic basketball court, which is used by NBA players when they come on holiday into London. Um, and they have huge attendances each year. Uh, it's, it's free to community users. And basically, the floor has been condemned uh, this is bad news, obviously, for the community, and they're fundraising to to uh, fill it with a concrete base and then put on a, a floor on top, and it's going to cost sixty two grand. Uh, so yes, if you can help Rich and the people of of the community there in Lambeth, then then that'll be great. Uh, you'll hear more about it at the end of the pod. Um, Bardi, how was the stadium on Saturday? It was pretty good, Windy, but I. I found myself doing a classic windy that um, I was in blue coats and I met a lovely couple who were celebrating their one year anniversary over from the States. And he took his wife for their one year anniversary to watch Spurs, which is a very romantic thing to do. And unfortunately, I, ca- I can't remember his name, but I, I remembered them. And I told them to go to Beavertown like like most ex-subs should do. Go to Beavertown and say hello to all the other ex-subs who, who were there. Um, and then I didn't think anything of it. And then I went about my day. And then I was having a few beers in Beavertown with some, with some of my friends. And as, as I went to the loo, I saw the couple stood behind the ex-subs. And as I was having a pee, I thought to myself, I need to be more inclusive. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to introduce this couple to the ex-subs. So I, I walked over to this couple. I tapped him on the shoulder. How you doing? How's everything? And he was like, I'm good. Have you said hello to the ex-subs yet? And he was just like, pardon? And I was like, you've met the ex-subs. That's them then. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. It was the wrong couple. <sighs> and, um, 
I, <laughs> I didn't oh, know where to mate, go. Mate, mate. So, um, it was really, it was really embarrassing. Did you have to just say to... like, "I've got the wrong people"? I'm really sorry. I had to apologise and say, "I'm so sorry." And then I walked off, and I felt shame. I felt that they were watching me for the rest of the day, having a good little laugh about me. Oh God! So to the couple that I did meet in blue coats, mm. I did try to introduce you to the rest of the, the rest of the ex subs. I'm sorry. Bless you, bless you. That, that that is exactly the type of thing that I would do. Like <laughs> you're you're absolutely correct to say that you did a windy because that is exactly the kind of thing that I would do and have done in the past. So awkward. Oh mate, I I I'm I'm cringing for you. Yeah, I'm still cringing about it now. I'm, my wife likes me to repeat the story every now and then. It's, it's a proper cringe for everyone. Oh, mate, mate. You tried to do a nice thing. That's the, that's the main mm. takeaway from this. Yeah. Uh, Solar Spurs, who is one of our ex-subs, says, Can I predict, predict the next episode? Windy, classic Spurs shout-out. Bardi, I'd prefer a 1-0. Nathan, okay, sigh. I'm happy we won, but... However, I am really happily surprised at how Kulisevsky's returned to playing well. Brackets, though it concerns me, because without him, what are, what are we? Yeah, pretty much nailed. Pretty much nailed that. I think so. The Spurs. That's 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 us in a nutshell. Um, so let's talk about that that crazy Leeds game. <laughs> um, I don't really know where to start with it. To be honest, it's uh, a very peculiar match. But we'll we'll go with the team selection because the notable thing, obviously, was that Kulusevski was back, which was fantastic news. And I saw the team selection. I thought Kulusevski's back in. Richarlison's on the left. Uh, the back three looks reasonable in terms of ball playing. This should be fine. This should be a it should be a walk in the park. Uh, little did I know we were going to go full Spurs, go behind multiple times, and have to claw it back at the death. Um, what did we think of that match? I mean, Bardi, you were you were there. I was meant to be there, but alas, I've got COVID, so I, I had to miss out. Um, Bardi, what, what was it like in the stadium? What did they? What did the fans make of that? Obviously, there was some booing at half time. Yeah, it's a real cliche to say it was a roller coaster, but it was. There was the whole range of emotions from from kind of hope that would get back into it to absolute discontent when mm. um, he took the charlatan off for Bissouma. That was a, a substitution which didn't go down well. Oh really? And then and then as we because we we got ourselves back into the game and it just kind of fell away from us. So it was really people were on a high and then they just dropped really low again. And then of course the the euphoria of. Um, of winning it, but I think we also need to touch on it probably at some point. The the Emerson Royale, the Emerson Royale situation. It's um it's quite uncomfortable and it's quite awkward. Mm, and mm. He knows, and <clears throat> I think the rest of the players know that he's not everyone's cup of tea right now. He is Antonio Conte's cup of tea. <laughs> I I really do feel that Conte is putting him in a very difficult position here. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't see this happen live, but I saw it back on Match of the Day when he missed his um, sitter. It wasn't an open goal. It was there was still something to do there. The Richarlison went straight over to him and tried to like G him up he and did. get him back into position. But yeah, he's um, there's a real tut around the ground, and there's only certain players that kind of get that that feeling. Like Ramon Vega had it back in the day, and perhaps a few other Spurs players that there would just be an audible sigh or a tut every time the ball went out to him, and it's almost like a, a an expectation of failure every time he has it and it's not good for him he knows it he can he can sense that and it's I feel for him as a human being that it's really bad place to be in it I, I can't imagine what it's like to have 62,000 people audibly complaining about you mm. but not even like even with vitriol just they've just given up all hope in you mm. 
This is the thing. I don't think it's personal. I think it's it's some the, of it the, is obviously because people are dickheads, but sure. it's not personal from us. Oh, <laughs> it's not I mean, personal God, from no. a lot of people, right? Yeah, but you can never rule out that. Sure, I think everyone's just recognised that he is a a square peg in a round hole. It's yeah. it, it's it's just not going to work, and we're wondering why Antonio Conte keeps doing this. And the only way for Antonio Conte to get the message from the fans is for fans to kind of get on the back of Emerson Royale which is really harsh yeah but it's the reality of the situation I think it's football I, I don't know I why would... he's not more trusting in in Doherty at the moment because Doherty does seem to have recovered his fitness he seems yeah. okay and, and you know made a big difference when he came on has played better when he's played so mm. I mean this this <laughs> this goes back to my my bit of ITK <laughs> when I was saying he's not playing Royale because he has to he's playing Royale because he likes him mm. and uh, I don't know I, we gave we gave Conte like a couple of matches to show us that he just mm. wanted to 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 um, manage Doherty's minutes but mm. at this stage nope he is preferring Emerson Royale to Matt Doherty or Matthew Doherty as he calls him <laughs> um, at right back and that is hard for me to explain as as the sort of um pretend analyst on this podcast you know to be like well royale does this what royale he's better defensively i don't think that's a completely unreasonable thing to say however in this match his 1v1 defending was exposed Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it's suddenly not true that he's the sort of safer um defensive option than matt doherty i think that he has a really good awareness of stuff Mm -hmm. around him really good positional Mm -hmm. defensive game i think that he's you know dependable reliable i think that conte um will appreciate how well he responds to instruction in the adversity that he's facing i would prefer to see matt doherty play and i that's that's sort of as deep as i can realistically go with that analysis without being there in training to see you know how how much um royale like sets the tone in his in his training and, and things like that his his dedication is clear right you know the the money that he spent the extra work he's doing he he came to spurs as an athletic player and he's become a more athletic player and conte likes his athletes mm-hmm. um but taking my analyst hat off and putting my spurs fan hat on fucking hell man play mm-hmm. man doherty play mm-hmm. jed spence mm-hmm. The, they, the 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 three right backs we have are played in reverse order of of what seems to me to be the obvious preference. Um, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm kicking him while he's down by saying he's a bad player. But well, he's not a bad player, you know. Like you said, square peg round hell. But he's a bad player in this system. I was going to say that I felt bad for the stadium going after him. That we've just gone after him a little bit for the, the last few minutes. So maybe we should. Focus on the positives and just um, forget about Emerson Royale for a little bit. I don't know. It, it does feel... I did feel sad for him at the, at the yeah, ground. Yeah, it's not I nice. I get angry, but I feel sad. It's not nice to see. Um, I mean, I kind of, the last player that I remember this happening with was Musa Sissoko. And he obviously he had a massive redemption arc in the eyes of many fans. So, so stranger things have happened. But uh, it's not great to see a player kind of, yeah, side at which is essentially yeah. what's happening um, so regularly. Uh, so good to have Kulisevsky back. I mean, from the start, just showed his his incredible dribbling ability, uh, his ability to receive the ball at angles and create something from seemingly nothing. Um, I mean, obviously, we've, we've been pretty consistent in saying that when Kulisevsky comes back, everything changes. And I think that is true. But I do think it's worth noting that 
you know, Conte does need to find other solutions that aren't just have Kulusevsky fit at all times. Um, that's that's not going to be enough to to keep us challenging for trophies. Like he has to have an alternative. But in the short term, at least, Kulusevsky's back. All is well in the world. We look a really functioning, well functioning attacking team when he's when he's part of it. Um, yeah, I still don't think Richarlison works in that three. I don't think it suits him at all. I thought he was pretty anonymous throughout the game. But Kulusevsky was, he was magical to watch. Was that Richarlison's first start with Kane and Kulusevsky? I think so. Yeah. No, maybe Leicester. The, the Leicester game when Sun came on, did, did we start? Yeah. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Mm. I just I just found Richarlison quite anonymous throughout the game. I don't think he was involved in, in pretty much anything, whether this is injury related or just a, a hesitancy with the World Cup a week ago a week away. Mm. Um, but he wasn't great. Mm. Not concerned. I mean, if you could, if you compare his attitude to someone like Bentancur, who's also going to the World Cup, it's markedly he was running around like he did, like he's got hamstrings of iron, not bothered <laughs> at all. So I wanted to talk about Bentancur. Um... When Basuma was about to come on, I I will admit I assumed he was coming on for Bentancur because I thought Bentancur before obviously he popped up with two fantastic uh, moments. I thought he had his worst game for us in quite a long time. He looked really kind of sluggish to me, but um, gave the ball away quite a few times. He did in really dangerous areas and uh, including for 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 one of the goals. Um, yeah, I I, I thought. He was a little rough and I thought that was completely understandable considering how much he's played recently and how much is asked of him on the pitch as well with his with his incredible effort to be box to box and to lead the press. Uh and then Basuma comes on, which as Bardi points out, the the crowd didn't like. I wasn't I didn't actually notice that at the time, but that's interesting. I, I thought that tactical shift completely changed things because it freed up Bentancor then to to not have the same level of defensive duties and to, in fact just hit the box as much as possible and he ended up scoring twice from doing that so I thought a really really positive substitution from Conte which you know is the classic you know from what, uh, at one level taking off a forward player and putting on a defensive minded player can look like a, a defensive change but actually if you're free if you're freeing up capacity in other areas of the pitch it can be a very attacking change and it, in this case in, in my opinion it was uh, I, I I really liked it, and I really liked the impact that Bentancourt had, obviously as well, um, as a result of of that slight change in role. I I also thought oh, this isn't me pushing my Davinson things. I often say Davinson isn't good enough for this club, but I thought Davinson played really well, so well. And it was um, like I would have taken off Dyer, but I guess Longley is the the easier goat to sacrifice. So they they, they got rid of Longley and kept Dyer on, and it worked nicely. Sanchez was was pivotal in quite a few moments. Mm-hmm. He did get skinned a little bit on the the third goal, but I, I think he was in a very awkward situation there anyway I still think Lloris should be doing better um but no I, I thought he had a, a nice impact I think um Conte's substitutions worked this time yeah I completely agree with you um that said I do think generally the Davinson Sanchez substitution has been an odd one like over the previous weeks uh, um I've not got it at all and it's only recently when we've seen um Dyer sort of being used as an as an underlapping um fullback have I thought, okay, well, this is a change and now Sanchez was given those same duties. So basically, come on and get forward. Get forward and join the attack as much as possible. And he was really useful, you know. He he received the ball to feet and he moved it on quickly and he often moved it on in a really positive way. Um, Kulisevsky spoke post-match about how he was talking Sanchez through some of those um, passing sequences. 
sort of pointing out where to pass to and shouting to him where to pass to. Um, and in the lead up to the Bentancur winner, Sanchez plays a really important role in that. He passes the ball to Kane. And you can see when you watch back the, the video, um, Kulusevsky is pointing to Devin Sanchez where to, where to pass to, to Kane, which I think is a really interesting um, little, little tactical point. Yeah, it was a similar pass that he pulled off, like the one against Arsenal as well in the North, like second half of the North London derby. Very, very similar. But I guess even Sanchez is helped by the fact that it's it's not Emerson on his right hand side, and it's and it's Doherty. Yeah, he had options there. So um, <laughs> this game is uh, maybe I should do this in video form. I have I have some analysis here, some sort of deep analysis. But should I should I put this behind the paywall, boss? Should I should I save this? Maybe do a little teaser now. A little then, teaser, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, how do I tease it? <laughs> What's in relation in, to? There was some interesting. Well, it's to do with our our approach to this game, our preparation for this game, um, the way that Leeds play, the way that our Champions League knockout round opponents mm. play is not is mm. not dissimilar. Um, we, I think that uh, the the tease is this: we took some very significant risks in this game. Mm. Um, with how we approached it and those were interesting and I, I I kind of like it when my team takes risks and I guess in the end the scoreline means that they paid off although you don't want to concede three goals in a game I think the Leeds essentially had like four five threatening attacks in this game they scored from three of them right yeah yeah all three of them they they took advantage of the risk that we took and they then quickly moved the ball over to their left hand side um, where um, Somerville and and Rodrigo um, were could could get into one v one plays versus Eric Dyer, who this is why he can't you know you don't long term want him playing yeah. on the right side of the fence and Emerson Royale, who again is is good defensively positionally reading of the play um, clearances and blocks are, are good but but can be done one v one in space um, yeah. Yeah, maybe this is a video and I'll I'll save the depth for for later. Lovely. I mean you have to I do admire how Leeds play, the energy that they played with, but I did think after watching their games against Liverpool and against Bournemouth, I did think there'd be goals in this and I thought it was going to be a mad game and it turned out to be. But I was always kind of quietly confident we would win them just because we'd win it just because they do give you opportunities. Mm. That Melier had a terrible game and if that's an audition for for a goalkeeper that could come to Spurs one day, I I don't think he did very well. I'm not. I wasn't impressed by him. I, I found him erratic. Found him weak, and um, he pretty much got bullied by us. He definitely got fouled. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> got fouled. He, he like fouled, we just yeah. two yeah. two Spurs players ran him over. <laughs> mm. Lovely finish from Kane, <laughs> like, mm. in, against mm. the you know <clears throat> unkept goal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I did the Ziggy asks. Maybe it's just confirmation bias on my part, but it feels like just about every mistake Spurs have made has ended up in the net, which has made this last little run seem worse than the process on the pitch would indicate. Am I correct in seeing it in this way? And does it make any sense when looking at the numbers to isolate those errors that end up in scoring chances against? I think this is a really... Um, I think this is something we've 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 said, essentially, in, pre- in previous weeks, that we've been a little bit unlucky that things have been going okay, and then a mistake's happened. And I think that was very evident in the Liverpool game where we deserved far more than that result. And we were undone by by Eric Dyer essentially, in that game. Um, but there, there have been other matches where similar things have happened. We've played okay. 
maybe it hasn't been great, but it's been a- enough, and we've we've shot ourselves in the foot. Uh, do you think this is a, a, a fair way to to judge the recent run? I think this is almost a relation to Hugo Lloris' shot saves just dropping that he's unable to bail us out. Do you, do you remember like Man United when De Gea was at his peak? He mm. was able to pretty much just bail out defensive errors. I just think Lloris, two of those goals I think he should have done better on and I just think it's a drop-off in his performance and it just means that we have to play the perfect defensive game otherwise they're scoring. I'm not sure if that's a... a, a huge trend it was definitely uh i definitely feel like that was relevant to to this particular game so leeds had an expected threat um which is sort of working more of a step backwards from expected goals um like like how many times they have like possession in the final third is kind of a way to think about that so um like who received the ball in, in dangerous areas when and where under what conditions is, is what you're kind of thinking about with expected threat. Um, oh, so they, theirs was less than one. It was point point nine or something from which they generated sort of one and a half expected goals. So they definitely um, made the most of their attacks in this game. And you can also say Dyer was poor 1v1 on a couple of occasions. Mm. And then Davinton, who was subbed in for him, Better 1v1 defender, better athlete, quicker feet, faster on the turn. Also got done <laughs> 1v1 mm-hmm. on a on a, a leads turnover. That's what they mm-hmm. do. And a quick switch to the channel and, and attacking um in that space. So um I don't know if I don't know if we start this game with Davinson and we we don't have such a bad time. Um I certainly don't think that he has such an incredible <laughs> display of ball playing if he starts this game. Um I I just I don't feel I obviously I missed the first half live or most of the first half live I tuned in just in time to see us concede the second goal again we we pushed out really aggressively moved to a high line we we're ready for the counter and they turn it over and 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 score after the corner um, having watched the game back I'm not too concerned um, about us defensively I guess you can look at the Bournemouth game. Um, I basically made the same comments about the Bournemouth game, right? They had a couple of attacks, they scored off both of them. Leeds had a handful of attacks, they scored off three of them. Maybe that's a trend where we have to say, okay, we've developed this vulnerability um, against counterattacks that we didn't have before, but I'm not developing too much concern about that just yet. And we scored four goals, so that's nice. Scored four goals. Scored four goals. Um, Not sure where to go next. Gareth Thomas says, did Conte's 16-17 Chelsea rely on Hazard as much as 22-23 Tottenham rely on Kulisevsky? That is something I had not thought about previously, but I kind of, I find that interesting. Uh, The answer is kind of in that he, I mean, whereas with Tottenham, um, Kane's probably our best player, right? Mm. Um, We also are hugely reliant on Kulisevsky and now that we have Richarlison we're not quite as reliant on Sun for like that depth in behind but we have been in our time um you know we suffer whenever Romero is missing uh Hazard was definitely Chelsea's best player um and yeah because again they they played the 343 um everything's very systemic the opposite side winger was was william and pedro who an aging pedro who who were sort of you know carriers of the ball and fast and and those kinds of things but not super creative players um a lot of what they did went to eden hazard that season um 
what they had in addition is Cesc Fabregas and they would bring Fabregas on um, once they were already ahead by a goal or two or they would occasionally play Fabregas in a three-man midfield and he would ping the ball over the top to Costa and that was their other <laughs> like big threat. He got like 13, 14 assists or something that season. All of them were just long balls uh, over the top to, to Diogo Costa. So they did have that secondary thing but um, Hazard only missed a couple of games that season Um one of them was away to Sunderland and Fabregas started in a two-man midfield with Pedro and William as the wingers. They won 1-0. Fabregas got a goal. Was it a penalty? Um, you know, it wasn't a penalty. So they, 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 they probably missed him a bit. They probably had a bit more of an option due to the riches they have at that club. Um, but it definitely wasn't a completely dissimilar situation, but he was out a lot less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to the point that we need to have some alternative means of, of progressing the ball That's and it. getting into the penalty area. Um, Chelsea had it. We used to have it with Kane to Son. Uh, do, do we have it anymore? Do we have the capability to get the ball to Kane to get it to Son? That's the question. Hmm. We should do. We should <clears> do. Yeah, we haven't seen We've it. We've got a good enough midfield to do that. I just think the the way to do it is to, to bring in a player who will play matches and has some sort of similar profile to Kulusevski. I, I think yeah. that I think that's got to be it. To be that honest, has, that has to be it. It has to be it. Uh, that has to be it. That has to be seen as a big priority. I think also, you know, having a a, a better functioning right wing back will help dramatically as well. Yeah, you know, another another means to progressing the ball is in the Conte system is wing backs. You know, per- Perisic, I don't think has had a very good season, and yet has crazy numbers for his um, expected assists. You know, he's consistently delivering high quality chances for our players and many of them end up in the back of the net so you have the same on the right that would be very helpful I don't want the same on the right because um, I think that I think that Perish's age is showing mm. um, like he's 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 becoming weaker defensively 1v1 like you said he's not doing much in the way of ball carrying his mm. his build up play has suffered I think he's t- you know maybe Serie A is a lesser competition I don't think it's dramatic I think he's just his age is catching up with him but he has maintained his his final third threat which is always his his great strength as a wing back um, mm. I think that we want a wing back on the right who can be a bit more rounded than, than Perisic if, if Perisic is going to play. Otherwise, you, you're you kind of playing with five forwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, that that would do a lot for us. And, I, and I'm, I'm interested to see what Kulisewski can do with a really high-quality uh, partner to work with on the flank as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Connor says, We all know that Decky has that dog in him. But what kind of dog is it? What's his name? And what's it like to do? Um, so Kulisevsky is like, a he's a pretty cool guy, except when he doesn't get a decision and then he absolutely loses his shit and I'm here for it. I've been, um, I've been thinking about this and, um, I was going to go for like a simple Labrador, but I, I think he's a, I think he's a bit different. So I've actually, this, this dog stared down my dog the other day. I was like, what the fuck was that dog? And it was a German shorthead pointer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it did. I mean, they, cause Kulisewski is not the most aesthetically pleasing footballer in the world. He's, he's got that. He's a bit rectangular, a bit sturdy, a bit square, but he's um, got good energy. Yeah. Um, he's a hunting dog. Like uh, he can mm-hmm. hunt as well. Like this dog can. 
He's suitable for all kinds of weather, all kinds of terrain. So I, I, in me, I think he's a German, German shorthead pointer. Not the prettiest thing to look at, but a good, reliable dog that's um, top of its class. Mm. And, I, and I feel like um, specifically he's a German shorthead pointer that is, that is post-castration. So, you know, he's, 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 he's lost that, um, that sort of that boundless energy to some degree and he, he thinks he's cool like he's a teenager you know his point is a teenager now essentially mm. um but he still has his moments he still has his little tantrums and we don't want to remove that from him we we want to harness that we want to embrace it sometimes you need to wind that dog up a bit and, and let him go um and i do love it when killer says he doesn't get a decision and he is he is barking at the referee and himself and everyone else around him it's uh it's very enjoyable to watch 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So the other match in the past week that we need to ponder on. Do we? Well, do we? Yeah, this is it. Did, how how bothered are you both about going out of the League Cup? I've forgotten about it already. Mm. I think because we beat Leeds, it can just disappear now. It doesn't matter anymore. But had it beat, had we lost to Leeds, I think it would have been more significant. I do think there are a lot of big teams went out this week, and it's, it would just kill our our kind of post post World Cup fixture list. Mm. So it's a good thing we're not in it. But I'm always sad when we lose an opportunity to win a cup. I found the team selection and then the approach based upon the team selection to be utterly befuddling. I don't I don't really know why he went so strong. You know, you look at all the other teams, Premier League teams and the, the, the rotation that they made in that competition. Including the one we lost to. It, including Forrest, who made nine changes, if I recall. Um, Conte's a weird man sometimes. Like, you know, you know, Conte, you can just play Brian Hill for a meaningless game. It's it's okay. You can do it. You can play Jed Spence. You can you can play Papi Matasar. You know it wouldn't have. I think, it wouldn't have mattered. I think you're right. I would be more on board with going out had we seen those guys start rather than do a mix and match of of starting starting eleven players. I was curious to see Fraser Forster. I mean, I don't think he did anything in that game which. Made some good saves. Start. Made some good saves. He made, he made some decent saves, and he's he's a presence. And you know, if Larice's form continues like this, I would I would start thinking about it. <laughs> God, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, yeah. I do honestly think Larice has fallen off a cliff. I can't rule it out entirely. I guess. 
I mean, yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of obvious how we feel about this, right? It's how most people feel about this. It's fucking stupid to to put extra minutes on on first eleven players then to play like shit. Like what? The worst of both worlds is is ridiculous. And, and then moan up how tired the players are and the risk of injury. Well, yeah, yeah. He can't he can't be saying that and then refusing to rest Harry Kane, refusing to play Brian Hill, Jed Spence. Should we talk about Jed Spence? What did you think Let's of his talk cameo? About Jed Spence. Um. I think that it needs to there needs to be some context around the cameo because he came on a particular point in the game. Um, we were needing to push forward, yeah, and and I felt he he drove us forward. I thought you know straight away there's a sense of positivity. He wants to have the ball to feet, he wants to commit players, he wants to move the ball forward, and it didn't always work out for him. But I felt like he picked some pretty good options when he had the ball. Um, He's so much more comfortable in possession than our other two right wing backs. Just like a whole level above, um, in terms of his comfort on the ball, his his faith in himself and other players, his his weight of pass. Um, I think some of his passing decisions were poor. I think he missed some passes to Kulusevski, for example. Um, that you know, <laughs> the whole team is built around making at this stage. Yeah. Um, like obviously he because he hasn't literally played football. He's still adapting from from the role that he was playing before, where he was the guy who made all of the plays for his team. Um, but I think obviously there's only so much you can make that adaptation in training. Um, so while I can kind of get a bit of an idea for what Conte's frustrations might be with him based on a, a handful of his decisions, yeah, I think the best way to improve that is by playing him, and he'll he'll be he would become he could become such a good good player for us combining with Kulusevski over a number of games. If he gets a run of three, four games, I think he he just does so much for us. But it's obviously not going to happen because he <laughs> didn't come off the bench again. I mean, maybe if we're winning, he comes off the bench again at the weekend. But the whole situation is so frustrating. I, I assume that he's now going to go out on loan um, in the January window. And I don't know whether we're going to be looking at, at, at right wing backs in January. Seemingly, I guess, Conte just likes playing Emerson Royale. Yeah, I mean, I think him going out on loan is is preferable to the alternative, which is he has another half season like this half season. Where he plays where 20 minutes. He's played barely any minutes. Sure, he's trained with the first team. Sure, he's been to some degree integrated into the system and to understand the tactics. Great. But he he has to play games. And and actually, I mentioned Papi Matassar uh, a moment ago. You know, he, he should have started this game probably or been on the bench at least. He played. He played for our under twenty ones in the PL two this week. I mean, that, this is a guy who played over two thousand minutes in league earn last season. What are we doing? This is insanity. Like you're signing players for a lot of money, and then you're you're not just stagnating them. You're not just sort of stalling their progress. You're actively moving them backwards. Like his trajectory is a downward curve. He's gone from playing two thousand plus minutes in a top five league to playing a handful of minutes for the first team and a couple of games in the Premier League too. This can't be right. The the thing with him specifically is that he was about to go out on loan. Benton Cole got a concussion. We were worried. We didn't know how severe that would be. We cancelled uh, Papsar's loan 
and then Bendigal's fine and he played and so Saar hasn't been involved at all. That's really unfortunate for Saar, but I can kind of understand oh, so that it's just an unfortunate series of events. It's so short term. It's like if you ha- if if Saar comes in for one game and then the same happens, like, do we feel any differently about it? No, we don't. Fair enough. Because I mean, we I have Skip anyway, right? We have Skip anyway and we have other midfielders, you know, that you can... I and the thing is, it's not just Saar, it's not just Spence, it's it's Harvey White and Niall John, who both had league experience last season, and or well, John didn't because he got a really bad loan, but was out on loan at least, and now they're both playing Premier League Two. Alfie Devine is playing Premier League Two. Why is he not out on loan? It's just the sort of there's. Uh, this club strategy around this frustrates the hell out of me. I can't get my head around it. I don't know if it's a strategy. I don't think it's that. I I just think Conte's looked at this kind of... I don't agree with this, by the way. I'm trying to, trying to explain what he's mm. doing. But I just think he's seen this window as 13, 14 games where he, he's just refusing to, um, to tinker or to make changes or to try people out. He's been really kind of... Um, Risk averse with Basuma as well, and Basuma is someone who is properly Premier League um, established. So I think there's that to it as well. But then it doesn't. I can't understand why he, they didn't all play against Forest. You should have just played them all against Forest if you were gonna if you're gonna throw the tie. But it's um, it is very strange to see this. But I'm not su- surprised at Conte being risk averse. I'm not surprised at that, and I don't think we should be either. And I don't think you can tie this in to how Spurs have handled young players in the past. I think that that regime is over, and this is something. To be honest, I don't really blame Conte for it because I think it should be taken out of his hands. Like I think this is, you know, when you sign promising young talent, you have to have a plan. And we know that Jed Spence was a club signing because Conte has told us that. You have to have a plan for what happens next. Well, the problem is we don't have a plan. It feels like, and this is very speculative, right? But it feels like there is an extent to which... This is Conte's reaction to having things taken out of his hand. It feels like he's been very public about this being a club signing. We kind of knew beforehand. Um, he's come in. He's given him no chances in in league football. He's not started him in the League Cup. He's come off the bench and played well. And then he's returned to not seeing the league at all. It feels like this is a message to the chairman to say all transfers have to be ratified through me. Is he that petty? Yes, <laughs> for sure, definitely. I mean, he's essentially punishing a young player for some. He's not punishing the player; he's punishing well, the club. That's he's that's the consequence, the though, isn't it? That the player yeah. is punished. So this is exactly what happened with Ericsson at Inter. The club bought Ericsson because he became available. We know why he became available. Conde didn't want him, didn't ask for him, didn't believe in him. Came to the club, barely played at all. Um, Conte said, I didn't ask for this player. I don't I didn't request this player. I don't see a space for this player. And he didn't play for his entire first season barely at all. He came off the bench a handful of times. Still better than Spence, to be fair. And then in the second season, Conte had a bunch of injuries, so he was sort of forced to play Ericsson. Ericsson was fantastic, surprise, surprise. And then Ericsson played a major role in winning the title for Inter. So there's prior. Not only is there prior with with Conte taking that behaviour, but with him later being shown how wrong he was to do so. So we just need to find a, a guy like Charlie Adam to go round and just chop a few of our right wing backs. That's it. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, we are not we are not instructing you to kneecap Emerson Royale. If you do that, <laughs> we are not responsible for your behaviour. 
We take no liability. <laughs> you can imagine. I don't think anyone... You can imagine. The extra inch told me to do yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think I think you make a good I think you make a good case, Nathan. And I think on that basis, you know, if you say Saar, you know, kept around because of the concussion, Spence uh, out of favour because he wasn't Conte's preferred signing, you can kind of make an argument that it's not about the club strategy; it's about Conte. But the club has to step in in this situation and do something about the way we're developing young players. Um, absolutely intrigued to see what happens next year with you, doggy. But- what 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 is that? Sorry to take a little step back. What what would you have, for example? What do you think Levy or Peratici should do in this situation exactly? I, I think um, that they should have overruled Conte and loaned out uh, Saar in the summer. I think they should have made a, a judgment on Spence sooner. Is he going to play? And if he's not going to play, let's get him out on loan. Let's get well, him out on loan to a Premier League team. The thing with making an early call in Spence is that his transfer took weeks and weeks and weeks and his transfer yeah. took weeks and weeks and weeks because he was the one player that Levy was doing the negotiation mm. for while Paratici <laughs> got a whole bunch of other business done rapid yep. fire, right? Yep. So, the, so Spence didn't come in till late despite us obviously being the primary candidate for him for the whole summer. Mm. And mm. so that there was less time to make that early decision. But I just think it's so hard for Levy or Paratici to interfere because if you sit down with Conte once and say, look, we bought in Spence, we really believe in him, we're really impressed with his performance uh, in the cup. Um, why aren't you using him at all? Conte will say, if you ever sit me down for this conversation again, I'll walk away, you know? So I just think it's it's so be tough to, to ransom. Yeah. It's so hard to 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 manage downwards. Um this is this is the upside and the downside. It's not just Conte, by the way. This is the upside and the downside with bringing in like a formidable name in management um, is that you you lose control over certain things or if you try to claim your control over certain things they can just walk so you've got two concurrent strategies happening at the same time yeah um and they're pretty much in conflict um levy trying to sort of maintain this sort of sustainable signing strategy thinking of the future and conte disregarding that and wanting a win now strategy the club's it's not getting, great the, the squad age is getting older we we yeah. haven't brought through young players in a few seasons you know it was similar with Mourinho we, we've mm. got to uh, in order to continue to generate reasonable revenue in the market we've got to bring young players through but you keep hiring coaches who are win now type coaches not you know he was just a not very good <laughs> coach at <for> this level <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't a win anytime <laughs> win <much>. never <laughs> uh yeah there's there is i mean i you know i think that conte is one of the best coaches in the world and i'm glad that we got him but this is the there are natural downsides to coaches like him um at least I, unlike with Mourinho, there are upsides as well, right? <laughs> I do think there is a there is a balance to be found here. And I think most of that balance could be found without Daniel Levy getting involved. I think if you leave it to Conte and Paratici to pick up between them, like I I do I don't think Daniel Levy's ever seen Udoji play a game of football. And I think this is very much a Paratici and Conte kind of deal on this. That these are two players. That this is a player that will work for both of them. And I, I just don't, I don't get that impression from Spence. This is just Levy going rogue and trying to do his own thing. Now I know once again I'm, I'm a, as bad as the kind of Evie Levy out people just making stuff up in my own head. But it, it doesn't feel like a Conte signing. I was wondering with uh, 
Udogi, whether there's any chance that we can sort of change the nature of a deal to bring him in sooner, get him in January. I don't know. I don't think so. This is probably been agreed. This is contrary to your prior comments about only bringing in players that you know Conte is definitely going to play. If you bring him in and then he sits on the bench behind Perisic and Sessegnon, mm. we've made the same mistake again. I think he's readier than um, yes. than than Spence was readier than I mean, as ready as Hill to be honest, based on similar experience, but obviously more physically developed. Um, but it's 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 always risky with all of these. I guess there just there needs to be more back and forth communication between the the parties involved there. Yeah, I mean, content needs to be forthright and clear with Levy. If you buy this young player, he might not see the pit. He may well not see the pitch this season or next season. And 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 then Levy needs to take that in and, and react and and, mm. and change what he's doing. Mm. Somewhere there's been a failure, and maybe the only failure is Spence. Right? Maybe all of this has been really well communicated, really well planned. They brought Spence in, and then he's like not applied himself in training, and and everything else <laughs> we're saying is irrelevant. We can't know. There's- there was a general hubbub going around the, the stadium on, on Saturday about um, Sessignon and Reguillon. Yes. Has, yeah, it does. So I, I'm curious. I, I kind of know where Windy's going to go with this one, but I'm kind of curious. Nathan, is Sessignon an upgrade on Reguillon? Um, a very minor one. Yeah, I, I do think the amount of fuss that's that's gone on, I, I think um, I think we could have just stuck with Reguillon and I think he would probably have done as much as Sessignon. I, right. I'm kind of a little bit tired now of Sessignon. But Sessignon is, is younger and homegrown. Um, I don't know, his, his, his chance creation numbers this season are good. His, his, his expected goals this season are, you know, almost best in the world for wing-backs in world football. Um, he's he scored for us, he's assisted for us. His, you know, his his lack of carrying game, his lack of dribbling game, um, the fact that he's only decent defensively um, are all limitations. But I don't know, there aren't that many great wing backs. To be fair, I think he he's still a, a good option. I think I think we're fine on the left between Sessegnon and Perisic and and New Doggy to come in later. I'm not worried about the left wing back situation much at all. And Wendy, how do you feel about your boy? Um. I mean, I ultimately, I just think Sessignon... Okay, so Sessignon has spoken a lot about uh, about sports psychology and how he hired or worked with a sports psychologist to try and improve um, uh, the mental side of his game, how, like his concentration and his focus and uh, his self-confidence. And I think he's a player who really struggles visibly with self-confidence. And so when the team is playing badly expecting Ryan Sessegnon to be the one to pick things up and make things happen is never going to end well. Sessegnon's someone who I think in a well-functioning team will become a really useful part. I think we saw that at the back end of last season when we were playing some good stuff and Sessegnon was a really important part of that. Um, things are not going well for the team generally at the moment. We're, we're playing okay for sort of half an hour of every game, sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes a little bit more. And that's really difficult for a player like Sessegnon, who's young, still trying to establish his place in the hierarchy, in the squad, and clearly doesn't have that much self-belief. But also, tactically, and this is a similar conversation to one we had over and over again with with Delhi. Um, Sessegnon's someone who makes fantastic bursts at the right time towards the edge of the box. And to maximise those, you need someone who can actually pick them out. And we have very few players in our squad who can find those passes and make the most of them. I think Kane's one of them. We haven't seen enough of that from him. Um, and and may, maybe 
maybe Romero can help with that once he's back as well. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I agree with Nathan's point that he's a, a very minor upgrade on, on Regulon in this form, in this team at the moment. That said, I didn't think Regulon was was very good by the end. I thought I had such high hopes for him after his first few games. I really thought we'd decide a quality left back. Um, suddenly he's been asked to play left wing back and it doesn't work as well for him. And he's he's just too hurried in everything he does. He hasn't he lacked composure um, at both ends. And I think we're right to move Regulon on. It's just that the Sessegnon experiment hasn't worked out quite how we hoped. And I think because Perisic, as Nathan points out earlier, is not the player he once was, we're, we're, we're not as strong at left wing back as I thought we, we could have been when um, when we announced the squad for the start of the season. I've still got high hopes for Sessegnon. I still think there's a player there. I still think in the right system with the right players around him, we can get a lot from him. And, and I've said it before, if you go back and you watch... Sessignon's highlights for those two outstanding years at Fulham, you'll see a completely different player who was playing with confidence and was attacking the box with regularity and getting on the end of things. He just needs to believe that he can do that again. Whether he will anytime soon, who knows. It's been a busy week on Patreon. Uh, Nathan has, has done a transfer target video. Yeah, I, I, did, I did my first uh, player video of the January window. I mean, things have become so... <laughs> I've sort of jumped the gun, especially with the World Cup um, between now and then. But it's just there's the Leeds match is interesting. And that's why I want to do a video on that. Um, but there's just not been a ton to talk about tactically outside of individuals. So I've started looking at individuals and we've been fairly strongly linked to multiple sources with uh, Mohamed Simikan of RB Leipzig. And we talked about him last episode, right? I said um, I said he's played predominantly centre back in the Champions League this season. He's been playing right back. I don't see him as a right wing back option. He played one game in the central role. Um, what what was clear from watching that game, I think, is that he was specifically chosen by Jesse Marsh, by the way, um, to play the central role because he would be in a up against Mbappe. Um, it was the second game they played against PSG, and the first game Simicam played on the right side of a back three and and uh, Willie Auburn played in the middle, who was a slower, bigger uh, Eric Dyer player. <laughs> and so um, this was, we only watched the first half, but we got lots of direct Simicam versus Mbappe interaction. And he did pretty well. And yet I still say, well, okay, but this is one game and it's hard to go like, yep, this guy can play central centre-back based <laughs> on this one game, right? Um, so uh, do, you, do you think do you think with Longley playing well in the central role that we just need someone who can be a backup to Romero and we don't need coverage for the central role so much anymore? Short term, maybe, but I don't think, you know, Longley's on loan and who knows if that loan will be made permanent. Or, or just off the top of my head right now, we bring in, for example, Simicand to play back up right centre-back behind Romero. I mean, we're still talking about taking a, a player from a, a Champions League team, a top five to be a team, to be a backup for Romero. Hmm. And then in the summer, we try to replace Eric Dyer as the starting central centre-back. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Mm. And Dyer becomes the backup for the centre-spot. Mm. And then you still have Longley as your third option. Or, or just flip Dyer. New season. 
Or you sign Bastoni to play on the left. You sign Bastoni. You sell Dyer, sign Bastoni. But Bastoni would be for the left, right? He wouldn't. He yeah. wouldn't be. He would well, be I don't know if he he's going to get in front. Is he going to get in front of free goal scoring Ben Davies, <laughs> who could score all kinds of goals? He, I'm afraid he didn't score the goal. Uh, oh, was so, it given as an own goal? Yeah, because it Aww. deflects back and hits. Melier and then rolls nah. back in. So yeah, but the, even the technique to keep that low on target. Decent. We've seen we've seen other players in the same game have yeah. harder chances in Skyder. Decent, really decent. Mm. Yes, I think Bastoni replaces Ben Davies in the starting <laughs> line. But he, like Longley, he can also back up the central. I'm pretty confident, okay. despite okay. him having not played there. Whereas him and Ken, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Okay, interesting. And Bardi, you've got a book club upcoming. Yeah, I had a little chat with Christopher Highland, who's a Norwegian chap who spent some time in South America visiting all the kind of famous stadiums, La Bombonera, El Maracana, mm. that kind of stuff. He wrote a book about his journey, his six months going around the country, seeing different types of football culture. And we're going to have a little chat about it once I finished it. Uh, that'd be really interesting. And um, we're going to do the, the pay it forward on this one. So I've got two copies of this to give away so people can read at the same time as me and uh, with the kind of caveat that once you've finished, pay it forward, send it on to someone else who would, who would like to read it. Nice. If you'd want to, yeah, I think, I think it's good for the author to get it out there as well and it's a bit more sustainable as well. So uh, if you're interested in one of these two copies, tweet me your favourite Argentine thing and if I agree with you, I'll send you a copy. <laughs> Nice. Your favourite Argentine thing. That sounds like something from Taskmaster. <laughs> I love it. Well, it could be... It, I don't want to give you away, but if you tweet me Lamella, you're not going to get it, but that kind of thing. Argentine. <laughs> I mean, he was, he, was, he was in our in our intro music for years, Bardi. Yeah, I never really took to Lamella. I was one of those that would have sold him and not renewed his contract a few times. Oh, mate. Very don't uncharitable know. of you. True. Um... So obviously we've got a very disrupted next few weeks, uh, five weeks of no Spurs matches to talk about. But the good news is we've got masses of questions that we've been sort of banking for the last couple of months. And so we're just going to carry on doing what we're doing for the next few weeks. We're going to rattle through some of your questions, so feel free to send in more. We're going to talk transfer targets. We're going to cover a bit of the the World Cup, probably the England games, primarily I would have thought. Um, and, and we'll still be here week to week. Uh, bring, bringing you the standard content so we're not going anywhere I'm also on the hunt for a, um, a team to support in this World Cup I don't I'm not really enthused by it for many reasons but I kind of need a team I've been banned from supporting Canada because the moment I thought about it Alfonso Davies's leg fell off so if you if you're willing for me to support your team I will happily support it well, um, the best player from the club you support also captains his national team. So I wondered if perhaps you might want to consider supporting them. No, no, no. Okay. no the sooner England get knocked out of the World Cup, the the sooner I can try and enjoy it. I well, what feel about the Denmark? same way. Denmark. I have been. People. It would just be too obvious. I, I can't. I can't do Denmark. I. I. I want all Spurs players knocked out in the group stage. So they can come back, get some rest, and then begin training. I. I don't care. I really. I mean, maybe I feel differently. You know, I get swept up. England make it to the semis or whatever. But really, right now, I just feel so far from interested in. Yeah. In this World Cup in England, it's tough. It's really tough. Hugo Lloris has just this moment said something quite difficult to read, and I I feel so turned away by this competition. It is an absolute waste of a World Cup, which only comes yes. around once every four years. It's really sad. It's really sad. Um, but 
we will continue to podcast and we will continue to talk about it, even if we're not that enthusiastic about it. You know, we'll still analyze the games and whatnot. So, um, yeah, drop us, drop us questions, podcast at the extra um, if you if you like the sound of uh, Nathan's Simicam video, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Appreciate everyone who signs up. You can always sign up just for a month. Try it out. Unsubscribe. You've, you've lost seven pounds. Well worth a go. Binge, binge all the videos in that month and uh, and get your money's worth. And what you're going to hear you now. Actually, would you, would, if you watched every single video and every single podcast back to back, could you actually do it time wise in a month? I think there's that much stuff there now that you couldn't do it. There's I don't think you could do it. About 100 videos, and they average about an hour in length. But podcasts, there's, 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 there's got to be like 300. <laughs> so it's tough. It's tough. Like, you'd yeah, you'd have to go on holiday. <laughs> Good excuse to go on holiday, though, right? Hmm. Um, what you're going to hear now is our ex-sub Rich uh, talking about his crowdfunder. Hello, my name's Richard. I am CEO of the Black Prince Trust Community Sports Hub in South London. Uh, I'm also a Spurs fan going back 30 plus years uh, and I've been an ex-sub from the start. So thank you very much to the Extra Inch for letting me uh, put this appeal out here. Um, just to tell you a little bit about the Black Prince Trust. So we run a community sports hub in South London, which is very much geared at using sport to serve the community. Um, so we do sport for development or sport for good. Um, we have a number of social inclusion programs, uh, which have kind of specialist provision for things like refugees, for over 55s, uh, women and girls programs. We run health and wellbeing programs like weight management and uh, programs that take mental health referrals and use sports like football and boxing and basketball and Tai Chi to help um, people living with mental health challenges to manage those challenges and live a better life. Uh, we run a load of education training programs as well for people who are looking for work. Um, we train coaches. So this summer we trained 36 people from the local area uh, as basketball officials, referees and coaches uh, towards employment. And we have a load of participation programs as well, which is just aimed at making sport and physical activity really accessible through a number of free offers across sports like mainly basketball, football, boxing, but some others as well. Um, and similarly in the school holidays, we run a lot of um, free activity. This summer we did five weeks of free daily holiday camps uh, where kids also got fed. Um, and we had uh, more than 195 people from some of the more low-income families in the area. And beyond that, we also run a community fridge. So twice a week, we give out um, free food parcels to people most in need. So that's a little bit about what we are. Um, to give you a little bit of background about our current appeal, um, we have an iconic basketball court called the Regal. Um, we have around 15,000 attendances per year across our two basketball courts. And two thirds of those are at sessions that are provided free to the community. The other third at uh, very low cost, accessible clubs run by local coaches. Uh, we're also open for some private bookings, which help us to fund the community activity we provide. And we're also very privileged in summer months when NBA players come to London on holiday. Uh, we're usually the go-to place for training. So this summer we're very lucky, amongst others, to have Olympic gold medalist Bam Adebayo from Miami Heat and 2022 NBA champion Jordan Poole of Golden State Warriors. So that's a bit of background on the Black Prince Trust and basketball in our little corner of London. Uh, next on to why I'm here with this appeal. We're very lucky to have one of the most iconic basketball courts in the country in the Regal. Um, it has a sprung floor that is broken beyond repair and to replace it we've been told we need to rip the flooring out, fill the void with concrete and replace it with a foam-based floor 
uh, to enable future use. Uh, and all the time that passes between now and us doing that, the condition of the court gets worse and worse and the threat of closure looms very large. So what we need to do is raise £62,000, which is a lot of money for a very small charity like us. Uh, we're lucky that we've got some corporate support, so we have raised some money towards it, but to try and get us over the line so that we can get the work done, we've launched this crowdfunder. And our aim with this is to raise £20,000 from more than 100 supporters. Um, we've got some match funding secured from both Sport England and Lambeth Council, which means if we raise a certain amount ourselves, we get that matched. Uh, and we're really hoping that we can raise enough to get this project completed. Um, if you go on the page, you can either just donate if it feels like a good cause and you're willing to give us a little bit of money, that would be great. We also have some rewards, which includes basketballs, footwear, sportswear that has been kindly donated by Nike and Jordan. Um, we've also got some food and drink vouchers for local businesses in the Vauxhall and Kennington area if you're in London. So if you head over to our page, um, you can have a browse of that, see if you can get yourself a bargain. Um, if not, then as I say every small donation does count and really does help and will be matched as well to increase the value of your donation. Um, if you also run a business and you might have some rewards you could contribute to us, then by all means do get in touch. My email is richard at blackprincetrust.org.uk and we'd love to hear from any fellow Spurs fans who might be able to help. Um, if you go to our Instagram pages, which is the Black Prince Trust or Regal Basketball, or if you just Google Regal Floor Crowdfunder, you should be able to find us and I'm sure Windy will put the uh, URL in the description for the episode as well. Okay, so thank you very much for listening to me. Uh, if you can help, that would be wonderful. If you can't, then uh, at least you know a little bit more about us if you happen to find yourself in South London. I'm going to leave you with a few clips from our crowdfunder video that's on our page, which is just a few of the participants who frequent our court telling you a little bit about what it means to them. So if I've not been able to convince you, then perhaps they will be. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for Wendy, Nathan, Bardi letting us have this platform. Uh, and as I say, anything you can contribute will be very much appreciated and go a long way. Thank you. Coming to the Regal every single Friday is the highlight of my week. I enjoy being around other girls that are similar ages and we all play in the same environment. So it would be really beneficial if we had funding to sort of fix the floor so we can have a safer environment and all play without any injuries as well. Hi, my name is Matthew, I'm 16 and I've been coming to the Regal for about 6 7 years. You know, the Regal means a lot to me because that's where I started off playing basketball. It would mean a, like, a very huge amount if we could get people to fund it and like help with the floor situation. As Mo said, like, the Regal is like a second home to me. So like, if I wanted to see like you get shut down, it would just be like losing a home. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindemer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindemer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.